Space Knob Punk. My name's Ewan Grant. And I'm Stuart Knight. Um, so, we made it to episode three. Well, we made it to episode two, which was a bit of an achievement. Yes. But getting to episode three is monumental. The, uh, so, on this episode, I mean, we kind of skipped over 77. Well, really I think quickly, it, yeah, 45 minutes. I think we do have to sort of hold our hands up to the fact that we tried to do 1976 and 1977 in 45 minutes, which were such massive years for the development of punk that we missed pretty much tons of it out in our keenness to get episode two done. So we're going to revisit it. Look, I, also you and I think it's really important to say that well, first of all, thanks to everybody who's again emailed us and contacted us. I mean, it's staggering. I'm so, thank you so yeah. much. I mean, we uh, thought nobody would listen. I know, we thought we'd, you'd like, listen and on the way home and I'd listen. Yeah. And, then, and, my, and maybe my mum. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, it's a bit like doing your first gig where a band will end the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. And then... And you invite all your mates and then one of them comes. Yeah, <laughs> one of them comes and stands at the back and goes... Rubbish, yeah, yeah, just you, know? you, you just get humoured. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It, it it was a bit like you know launching a new band. It was, know? yeah. The good the good ship Dead's Not Punk was launched. <laughs> anyway, thank you for to everyone who's emailed us in. Look, there's loads of comments and stuff, and I just want to point out the fact that we record this live. We sit in a little room and just do this chatting. We don't. We, it's not scripted, or we haven't got any writers, or we're not the BBC. So it's just me and you and talking about this stuff off the top of our head. So we might not get everything right all of the time, which is why we really like it when you email in, tell us where we've gone you're wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. yeah. You're wrong. angry of Bromley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, Marco. Um, so so uh, I just wanted to point out a quick correction. I think last time I said that Jordan was on the Grundy show with the Pistols. Uh, she wasn't, of course. She was on So It Goes um, when they played. Um, uh, so apologies for getting that so wrong. So it goes with Tony Wilson. So it goes with Tony Wilson. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, but, and if you've not watched that performance, I really advise. And she's standing at the side looking amazing. Yeah. So, um, and then a couple of other things really you and I feel really strongly about is that we talked a bit about Oi and Coxbarrow. In, in episode one. Yeah. And our fascination for the amount of yeah. a certain band's t-shirt that we saw yeah and then and the problem we're talking about oi and sort of skinhead bands and stuff is it it drifts into a really worrying lane in that it yeah there was they, a lot of those bands were liked by skinheads and fascists and nazis and stuff and we just both want to make it really clear crystal clear right from the start that we in no way endorse support or have any interest in right-wing politics, fascism or racism, where it's abhorrent to us. We do not support any of that in any way, shape or form. This podcast is not racist and vehemently anti-Nazi. In fact, some of the early gigs that I did when I was in when I was in the bands were yeah. for anti-Nazi league and rock against racism. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, yeah. You know, if you want to find out any more about what they're doing now, check out Love Music Hate Racism. So. Yeah, we 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 are committed anti-racists and anti-Nazi um, people, and we just will not tolerate any of that. So apologies yeah. if there was any yeah, misunderstanding yeah. in that area. We are not into that at all. Anyway, moving on. A couple of things that were brought up, yeah. and uh, you know, I'd like I just like to touch on them, right? Uh, we do that, as Stuart says, we do this live. We're not, you know, this is from all our memories, all the research that we've done, you know, over the years to be able to do what we do. 
And sometimes you will come out with comments that, you know, uh, big mouth strikes again, shall yeah. I say. And you think, oh, shouldn't have said that. Did you just do like a Smith's right <laughs> anecdote there? Do you just sneak in a little Morrissey quote? Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Is that one of those comments? Maybe. Yeah. But, okay. uh, you know, I mentioned in the last episode that um, Sandy Perlman, um produced Rush. Yes, he did. He didn't. He produced Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, and before anybody starts emailing and sitting there on their computer, we're not going to talk about prog. No. So that's the end of that conversation. That's the end of any, yeah. any talk of Rush or Blue Oyster yeah. Cult. Yeah. And no, don't feel that Reaper was not a great record. I'm not going there. No. Right, so and then another little shout out is thank you to Sol Martin on uh, Twitter for coming back to us on the release of the Pill album, Public Image Limited, yeah. which of course came out on the 8th of December, 44 years ago. And I, we are that old. Um, mm. What a brilliant record. Seminal, seminal record. Absolute game changer. But Sol, thanks very much, mate, for um, coming back to us on that. We appreciated your comments. So I think that's sort of some good points of order that we've covered off there. We are, so we're going to go back to 1977, but, yeah. but we are dedicating this episode to uh, Jet Black of The Stranglers, who sadly died, I think this week, yeah. um, Brian Duffy uh, in his real name. Um, but what an absolute legend. Um, so The Stranglers obviously controversial in a way in that are they punk or are they not punk, Ewan? Well, I've... I've obviously I've seen them a few times. In fact, the the last time I saw the Strangles was probably about six years ago, in their hometown of Guildford. I think I was with you. You were. You were indeed. Um, and with Dylan, our mate yeah, Dylan. Dylan yeah. was there as well. So yeah, um, it was a bit strange for me because yes, they have a catalogue of great singles. Yeah, I don't think the Strangles ever made a great album. Oh, but you, you really are lighting the controversy touch paper there. I no, think, it, it, well, it, it, 1977 was the year that we talked about in the last thing. We never really covered it. And they released nearly, well, they did two albums in 77, Rattus Neveticus and No More Heroes. Yeah. And it was quickly followed by the Black and White album. I think they did three albums in 13 months. I'm going out there. Yeah, but, you know... Uh, but I mean, and that doesn't mean make, make well, loads of content doesn't make good. Uh, oh, man, I, I think Rattus Neveticus is brilliant. Um, I just what I mean is record. like evergreen copyrights. You know, there's certain there's certain bands that came up through punk, and we're going to talk about them. The Strangles just they never really floated my boat. Right, we want to hear about you. We're from you, not about you. Well, no, we do want to hear about no, you. No, no, no. greatest hits at best. Oh man, I could do that. I'm just and not then when, that. you know when when they go on, I, you know, Hugh Cornell's doing his stuff, you know, and there's there's hardly any of the real stranglers in that band. I think. Well, wait, no, right. So we're talking about two different things. The Stranglers in '77 releasing nearly three albums. Okay, fucking oh, excuse oh. me, but. Um, that was a bit of a stranglers moment because, of course, they were banned from Magpie in 1977, if you remember. Yeah, I, was, um, I was more of a Blue Peter man. I'm sure. <laughs> Let's not go there. So, Rattus Neveticus, brilliant record, seminal, great, groundbreaking album, and No More Heroes. I mean, just great. And the look, the whole JJ Brunel thing, I think Hugh Cornwall. He, we were talking about this the other day, and I think he had a bit of strummer about him. I just think they're great songwriters. Never, never as good as strong. Well, you know, again, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll get on to that. But so anyway, the legendary Jet Black, regardless of what we're saying about their 
standing in the punk pantheon. They were still a great band, and he was a, a real character. He was a character. You know, running a load of ice cream vans, I think. They would use ice cream vans <laughs> as their first tour vans back in the day. And I think they were talking to Guildford. I think they were actually known as the Guildford Stranglers they were, yeah, when they the, started. That was their yeah. original name. I think they started in 74, actually. It was really back there, because yeah, we yeah. talked about that with the pub, pub rock yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. So, you know, R.I.P. Jet, you know, regardless of what Ian says, you are still a great band, and well, they were a great band. And uh, Listen, I, I, in episode one, we talked about great drummers. Yeah. And there's somebody that you would class, that actually made that unique sound of the Stranglers because of his drumming. Oh, I, I would totally, I would definitely say that. And I mean, you know, we also talked about where all these bands come from and the influence of so many different things. And the, do the Doors were obviously yeah, yeah. a really easy, obvious, you know, comparison. Do you think, do you think the Doors would have been as big had Jim Morrison not died when he was 27? Well, he was in the 27 Club and it does help sell records, doesn't of it? Of course it does, right. I'm, yeah. not be, I'm not being cynical, right? But, you know, it, the Doors to me were just like, yeah, they were, they were one of those bands that you went back to when music got a bit rubbish after well, the initial punk thing well, had happened. it's interesting you say that because I like, I, uh, I'm not going to admit to liking The Doors because it's just <laughs> a dangerous, tricky, slippery road. But I do really like LA Woman. I think it's a bit of a punk album. If you know about The Doors, why are we talking about The Doors? Because we've uh, degenerated well, from the stranglers. This is not, the 60s is not dead, is it? This is, we're no, not, no, stop no, talking no. about The Doors. Stop talking about The Doors. I would just threw that point in about... Um, the Doors wouldn't have been as popular a band yeah. had Jim Morrison not died. Let's leave it at that, at 27. Right, we'll leave it have on to sell as many records as and become that seminal act. Right, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm just going to draw a line under talking <laughs> about The Doors because I want to talk about punk bands. Right, and okay. The Doors weren't a punk band, but LA Woman is a good album. <laughs> so, yeah. there were other great albums that came out in the 70s. Right, okay, so what are we now going to talk about the punk album of 1977, which is kind of what we didn't get to in the last episode. Yeah, Are we, is that what we're... Because loads of things happened, didn't they, in 1977 with the Pistols and the, and the punk bands, you know, the, the Clash were on tour, the Rainbow got smashed up, I think the Jam was supporting them. Yep. Um, all these sorts of things, but you know, punk was sort of having its moment in the media. And, uh, and then a load of albums come out. And of course, going back and looking at some of those albums, there are some real classics in there. Um, when obviously the, the two biggest albums, well, three biggest albums, I would say, of 1977 were The Sex Pistols, Nevermind the Bollocks, Dam 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 by The Damned, although they did release Music for Pleasure as well, I believe, at the end of the same year, and The Clash. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? <laughs> Sorry. I, we mentioned at the end of last week, you know, that we were going to talk about how you and I have always had this almost 40 year discussion about who was the better band, the Clash of the Pistols, right? Yeah. And I'm not laughing. You are laughing. Because <laughs> what I will say, and yeah, I'm allowed to change my mind, had it not been for Nevermind the Box, you probably wouldn't have had the others that followed, or the Pistols as a, as as a thing. whole. Yeah. As a whole. I mean, Box is great. I, we talked about it in the last episode. I mean, when it's up against the likes of the first Clash album, <coughs> wasn't great. 
Well, I like the first Clash album. They had some. Yeah, when was the last time you listened to it? I, I listened to it last week, actually. <laughs> Did you? Do you know what? I listen, I'll tell you why. Because of all the travel hell at the moment, it's a great album to listen to if you're experiencing travel hell. Right. For all you middle aged men out there, if you're having travel hell, I can recommend us some wellness treatment <laughs> the first Clash album. Listen, listen to the first Clash, Clash album. album. But then that goes back to it was a bit. The songs on the first Clash album, in terms of song structure, melody. The, the problem with the it, pistols first. Shouty. Well, that's the thing with the problem with the pistol, argument. But it's bollocks. Yeah. It's got songs. And on. They're great songs, and they stand up. And the thing is, if you're going to talk about the Clash versus the Pistols, the problem with it is, is that the Pistols only really made one album, whereas the Clash go on and make London Calling, probably one of the best albums yeah. ever made. Yeah. Not in '77. Not in seventy seven. No. They uh, recorded London Calling in seventy eight and seventy. I think it came, it came out, out in seventy nine in outside of the US and came out in US in eighty. Yeah, because it was named one of the, Cause the best albums of the eighties, and it wasn't. It came out in yeah. seventy nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so other albums that came out around about that time were uh, Dam Dam Dam. Yeah, well, a great, really, yeah, the two Damned albums, which are, you, I mean, we always talk about the Damned. Oh, by the way, we also, there was another thing, wasn't there, that we, we talked about Lemmy and the Damned. Yeah, we yeah. always talk about Lemmy and the Damned. Um, we miss you, Lemmy. Yeah. And uh, the Lemmy, of course, famously played on Ballroom Blitz, the sweet cover version, on the back of Just Can't Be Happy Today singles. That's right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That so. just came into my head when we, we were talking about the Damned. Sorry, Damned again. So, um, there, so you were saying the other great albums of seventy seven. Well, let's stick, let's stick with UK at the moment, right? Wire. Oh, you what? Pink Flag. Pink Flag. What a brilliant record! Is right. that punk or is that sort of? Well, I suppose so. I suppose that probably the, the start again. And we talked about this with Keith Levine's guitar playing on episode yeah. one on Public Image. Wire were very what you would class as post-punk. I'm going to say to you that I think it's a really good record and I listen to that album to this day. I yeah, think yeah. really influential, just great, great band. So great songs, just really captured a lot of stuff. Not shouty, jumpy, up and down fashion punkers, but just a very intelligent... I think they were the British television. Yeah, they definitely fitted into that. I think they're better than television. Art rock. A little bit arty, a little, little bit, bit like talking headsy, a yeah. little bit, yeah, television, yeah. yeah. Sensible shoes. <laughs> yeah. Tank tops. Exactly. Tank yeah. tops and uh, like, you, not skinny jeans. Coats. Yeah, coats, yeah. long coats. Yeah. They were probably, you know, Wire and television were probably massive influences on later bands like Echo and the Bunny Man and stuff like yeah. that. You know, you, they definitely had teams. Well, Wire, of course, really were a massive influence on Elastica, who essentially took some of their I Am The Fly in the Ointment yeah, yeah. and re, re-cut it. But um, that's another story. That is another story for another So time. you were talking about UK... Uh, what about The Jam? When was that album? 77. Uh, this is the modern one, 77. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... In the city? Yeah. I um, mean... They were great. I think so, and they talked with the Clash. They came off the Clash yeah. White Riot tour, didn't they? Um, and, but they were there at the Rainbow when the Rainbow got smashed up. I right. think it was a thousand pounds worth of damage, which was in today's money is one billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, I remember also the dad always used to introduce them. Paul Wells' dad, Wells Senior, because he was the he managed the jam at that point. Yeah, Wells' dad managed the jam. 
Listen, we could do a whole podcast on the jam. Um, I mean, the. I think we come back to the jam. Yeah, because. Do we? Because there's better albums than the one that was released in 77. Yeah. I think Polydor rushed them in to releasing two albums. I think the jam are worth mentioning because they were definitely part of that whole early scene. But then, of course, they go off at a tangent and embrace oh, yeah. the whole mod thing. And so we've got so, to be careful yeah, with that. Revival, so yeah, and then, he, and then he jumped on that. I didn't, uh, so talking about English bands, I'm going to go Vibrators. Yeah, Pure yeah. Mania, 77. Automatic Lover. Pure Mania, the album, right. 77. That was good. And then what about what was going on in, in America? It was uh, Vibrators. Who was the singer? Well, there was Knox. Oh, so that's exactly who yeah. it was, yeah. But one of the guys in the vibrators, I think he was the drummer, ended up being the, I think his name was Pat Collier. Oh. He ended up doing all the production for bands like The Wonder Stuff and Neds and nice. Elite Itself yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. He was definitely in the vibrators, yeah. right? Oh, the vibrators were good. Shout out to Pat Collier. Yeah, nice one, Pat. Good work. Uh, if, and if you're listening, Pat, let us know what you're up to. We'd yeah. like to hear from you. Um, Any tips on the production, if it's... Need some compression or anything like that. If you've got any free time next week yeah. on a Wednesday, please pop, give us a call or an email. And oh, by the way, talking of emails, dead's not punk pod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Uh, and you can get us on Twitter, which is dead's not a punk pod. pod. Twitter, I mean, you know, again, thank you to everybody. I can't, you know, so I can't say thank you enough. Um, Right, so where were we? so we talked loads about English bands in seventy seven. What's you and what was going on in Scotland? So there's a couple of people that I'd really like to give a, a, a sort of shout out to that were very influential in the Scottish punk scene, shall we say, right? And uh, there was a fanzine at the time in Scotland which came out I think it was Grangemouth called Next Big Thing. Right. And it was written by a guy called Lindsay Hutton. Yeah. Lindsay ran the Cramps fan club. Wow, what is that back then? From Grangemouth. Right, right back at the beginning. Yeah. Wow. With a certain Stephen Morrissey. Wow. Yeah, so, and uh, his fanzine was very much... Is Stephen Morrissey involved in the Cramps fan club? Yeah, well, he used to that be, is a fact. He used to be, he used to run the New York Dolls fan club, Stephen Morrissey. So... Amazing. I think maybe Lindsay... I didn't know about the Cramps, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm impressed well, by that. Lindsay had maybe, you know... Please confirm if this By the is way, right. we are not advocating right-wing politics by talking about Morrissey. No, we're not. Yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, so Lindsay Hutton was, next big thing was, again, one of those initial fanzines in Scotland mm. that, you know, talked about what was going on in the UK, but also talked a lot about what was going on in America, because he had a real fascination of what was going on out there. And he'd promote bands and stuff like that. And... Uh, the other guy I'd like to talk about, we touched on in the first episode, is a guy called Bruce Finlay, who yeah. ran the chain of record shows, Bruce's, in Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dundee, and Perth. And uh, Bruce, obviously, famously managed Simple Minds for a mm. couple of years as well. But he had a label in 77 called Zoom. Right. And Zoom was set up as a label, you know, as he saw, which is part of the ethos of what punk was, Major record labels were ignoring what was going on yeah. in the streets, you know, and you know, all signed all the bands when they were over. They signed all the bands that were happening in London yeah. at that time, and yeah. he decided, well, I'm in Edinburgh, so I'm going to set up Zoom, and Zoom released a couple of sort of seminal early Scottish punk bands, uh, a band called The Valves, and a band called PVC Two. 
Now, we'll put them on the playlist so that you can yeah. listen to them. Um, but obviously, you know, having done Johnny and self abusers before, there were simple minds and that. Bruce is um, somebody that I'd like to give a mention to in 77 for setting up a punk label in Scotland. Yeah. But punk sort of. It's alternative. Yes. Yeah. For, for want of a better word, if you were sitting at Enzyme in London, mm. you certainly weren't going to sign the Valves or PVC2 for the yeah. first single. If you were at Decca. Yeah, yeah. And there was other there was other bands around the time. There was another band, again, I think they were from Falkirk, called The Freeze. They were very much art, more arty, more wiry, shall we say, yeah. than there was a band from Glasgow who supported the Jammer tour as well, called The Jolt. Very three three guys in skinny suits. Yeah, must have come out of the pub rock scene that's been yeah. talked about before. And then the venues, some of the venues in Glasgow. There was a venue, and I talked to somebody about this a few weeks ago. It was above the Glasgow Apollo, called Clouds. Now, to me, I thought it was actually called. Satellite City, and they did a lot of sort of punk bands from mm. 77, uh, 77, 78. And for the life of me, I'm sure I saw the Rizillos play around about that time above the Glasgow Apollo because I then saw because the Riz- they were Scottish, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And, Fife. and they, they were signed to Sire in 77, Seymour Stein, signed yeah. to the Rizillos, yeah. And Ramon Seymour Stein. Yeah. yeah. Madonna Seymour Stein. Yeah. Sire Records Seymour yeah. Stein. And Talking Heads Seymour Stein. Yeah. Uh, the Undertones Seymour Stein. Yeah. Because the second tour I think I saw the Rosillas was the Rosillas and the Undertones. All right. So it was like a, That know, was I, later though. That was later, yeah. And I mean, Can't Stand My Baby by the uh, Rosillas. Again, it's one of those great records yeah. of 77. And finally, the other guy that I'd like to, you know, sort of uh, give a quick mention to here in Scotland. And I got to know this guy later around the record shops because he worked in distribution mm. in Scotland. But his brother is really famous now. But Brian Guthrie was a guy that was really active in the local music scene around Grangemouth and Edinburgh and stuff like that on the West Coast. And he started bringing a lot of early bands 75 76 77 to to the area that nobody had heard of right and um you know he's always been involved in music and you know the fact that his brother went on to be robin guthrie yeah who formed the cocktail twins which again was one of the you know sort of the biggest uh brian was brian was somebody that I would, I would see as a very influential person in the music industry mm. in the 70s in Scotland and it was somebody that I certainly looked up to as well um, there's three people for you Brian Guthrie, Bruce Finlay, Lindsay Hyde that's really good, thank you, it's really interesting and there's a couple of things in there and when we are putting the playlist together after this episode I'm quite looking forward to checking out some of those bands because you know, you're way more aware of what was going on in Scotland at the time, mainly because you're Scottish, and secondly because I wasn't even here until yeah, the I'm summer of 77, so... Starting to do it, starting to look at doing a fanzine around about that time yeah. as well, so I was doing my research on the people that I needed, I wanted yeah. to talk to. So yeah, that, that was Scotland. Um, you know, 
There's a few things, um, obviously, we haven't mentioned... Well, we mentioned the Ramones, didn't we? Because Rocket to Russia came... Well, the two Ramones albums came out as well, wasn't there? It was. It was, it was Leave Home. Yeah, Leave Home. Yeah, and Rocket to Russia. They came out in either, either end of 77. What? what was going on? I don't know. The Stranglers, the Jam... I don't know. The, the Damned, released. two albums. The Damned. There's four... Because they never went on tour. They didn't tour for very long, did they? Four, <laughs> seven, or last yeah. two albums every yeah. year. Amazing. I mean, you would never get that. Yeah, no, you, you. In today's world, but maybe in today's world, some of the artists should think about releasing an album sooner than leaving it for two or three years when they're all forgotten about. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, different back then, I suppose, and the touring cycle's probably different. But I mean, of course, a lot of the punk bands we've just talked about, their tours kept getting banned. Getting, yeah, yeah, having the local councillors yeah, come yeah. along and ban them. And yeah, we touched on that again. In Glasgow, the local council in Glasgow banned punk rock. Well, there was loads of that, wasn't there? The pistols yeah. on spots, six yeah, yeah. pistols on top. Um, so, um, right, so, so I mean, American, right? American bands. So we talked about the Ramones. Talked about the Ramones. We talked about. We haven't talked about the Dead Boys. I'd like. That's to an interesting. Was that album Boys. Young, Loud, and Snotty? Yeah, Loud and Snotty. Yeah, seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah. Stiv. Stiv Beatles. Lords of the New Church. Lords of the New. Obviously, went on to. Was with the, with, with Brian, Brian James. James, yeah, and Dave Trigana from Sham Sixty Nine, yeah. Dave and Dave Parsons. No, Dave. I've just got to do a shout out to Dave because uh, sorry to interrupt the flow, but we went to the Vive La Rock magazine. If anyone's looking for a great punk rock magazine to yeah. buy, Vive La Rock, run and run by our good friend Eugene. Um, and we went to the Christmas party last week, had a really good time, and you bumped into Dave from Sham. I did. I did. I had a long chat with Dave Trigana about. Uh, not only his time in Sham, but the band that he was in between Sham and Lost in the New Church. Go on. Called The Wanderers. Right. Right, so it was a really interesting So Check out The Wanderers on Spotify. Yeah, Dave, if you're listening, it was really good yeah. to see you. We had a really great night. I know in those sorts of events you don't get to talk properly, but it was really great. We'd love to have you on the pod, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because we are um, doing some guests next year, so that's definitely one. So, anyway, well, back to... one guest we won't be having on. Go on. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's just nice to be just polite. Yeah. And I, there was a certain person at that uh, event. I'm not going to name names, but I'll, Stuart and I were having a discussion about when Altered Images supported or did not support this band. Right. And I said I went to see this band in 78 or 79, mm. and this band were definitely on that this guy was in. And when I asked the question, he just sort of looked at me as though I'd just thrown up in his face. Yeah. That's, is that just before you threw up in his face? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But it was like, as though, hang on, mate. I'm only being, you know, I'm asking yeah. you a question. I'm not being out of order. I'm just, could you settle an argument? Mm. When did Alter's Image support your band? Yeah. And uh, Was that because he was too busy looking for Captain Kirk? Yeah. I think yeah. Spock had gone. Yeah. Yeah. We'll leave we just that. leave it at that, but you're not coming on the pod. Yeah, Spiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Right. So, so American bands, anyway, enough of that nonsense. So American bands, we talked about the Ramones. So yeah, and yeah. then after meeting Dave Trigana, yeah. I went back and I watched the Stuart Beatles documentary yeah. on Amazon. Great documentary, right? And uh, there's a there's a legendary rock and roll star. Right? Yeah. Somebody that was Almost like 
two years ahead of the time. Every time, and every time I seen him come along, he would move on to a different project. Did he get killed in a car accident? He got, get... he got knocked down yeah. in Paris. Yeah. And then I think he had uh, some sort of blood in the brain, but he didn't die immediately. He didn't die. Like you know, he went back to the where he was staying, and his girlfriend and him, you know, his girlfriend had to take him to hospital, and basically, and they had a big memorial service for him. And one of the funniest things was, you know, he said, "When I die, yeah, I want the people at the funeral to snort my ashes because they'll have the best time." Really? (laughs) The world, right? And I'm not going to spoil a documentary for it certain people did and certain people didn't and but he always seemed to just be two steps ahead it's a shame he wasn't two steps ahead of that car <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly but uh you know because in 74 75 he was almost like in a band that was forgive me i forget the name this is before the dead boys and they were like influenced by nuggets and uh, yeah. mc5 and so yeah. that's so sort, ga- uh, sort of garage garage yeah. stuff and um his performances on stage were so Iggy Pop-esque, you know, where stripped to the waist and loads of blood. And, you know, um, yeah, check the, check, check the documentary out. And then he was the first, one of the first people to put the Ramones on in his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, I think it was right. Cleveland, Ohio, he came from. And uh, got on really well with Joey Ramone. Joey Ramone basically said, I'll speak to Hilly at CBGB's. Get your gig at CBGB's. They got on at CBGB's. The rest is history. Sonic Reducer is yeah. one of those singles great from record. 77. It's a great record. Yeah. And then when they just started to get a bit of traction going, mm-hmm. he split the band up. Well, that was quite punk though, wasn't it? Yeah, but then he did it again with Lost of the New Chops. Yeah, well, that was a good thing. Yeah. Well, they had a couple of good singles. They didn't. And they... Oh, no, no, hang on. You know, part of the reason I think they, they split up was because... The goths thing sort of took over. Right, there's one thing we're not going to have on the show. On the, I, say show I keep saying shows, of course it's not a show, uh, yeah. until you, well, probably a little bit of a comedy show when you watch us trying to wire up these mics. But other than <laughs> is that... Is your mic working? My, my, it is, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I think, think it, it just goes in and out. It does, oh, it's just, it's just <laughs> cheap equipment we got. Um, so, anyway, we're not talking about them or anything to do with goth. So, no, 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 hang on, hang on. As we go through the years, we may have to. We're not, to why? We've already touched on Pete Murphy. All right, okay. So, okay. So, that Bauhaus thing, Pete yeah. Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, that'll come later. That will, come, that will come later down the line. I'll, I'll definitely come. It'll definitely be coming later when we talk about Pete Murphy. Right, okay. Eggie and the Stooges. Love for Life. Yeah. 77. Yeah. Um, Johnny Flanders. Like oh, like, that's a pretty important record. Yeah. They kind of they are one of the band. They, so they come over to the UK and of course are on the Anarchy in the UK tour. Yeah, yeah. And of course they Nancy Spungen kind of is wrapped up in all yeah. that, and she arrives and they are the they bring over the heroin. <laughs> right. So okay. they are they introduce the kind of heroin thing to the punk scene, which of course Nancy then turns up. 1977, which is the year we're talking about, is the year, of course, that Glenn Mantlock leaves, gets sacked from the Pistols, and Sid joins the band. That happens in 77. Elvis died in 77. So did Boland. Boland and Richmond. Was it Richmond? Yeah, on the bridge, yeah, and he's gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Elvis goes, 
Bolan goes, which is a shame. Mind you, Dave, talking of um, Bolan, the David Bowie connection, I think Low comes out. The Low album. I've seen that great meme on. Uh, with, with the football, American football. No, it's American, Arthur, German. It's Arthur Lowe. Oh, Arthur Lowe. Dad's army. army. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the front of the yeah. Lowe cover. Yeah. Stupid boy. <laughs> Stupid boy. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, Bowie, Bowie will get to it at some yeah. point. The Saints. I'm Saints. Yeah. Australia. I mean. Uh, yeah. Good band. Great band. Yeah. In fact, I actually saw them support the birthday party. Wow, that's a great gig. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it was in Edinburgh. Anybody can confirm that. It was very early 80s, 81, yeah. I think it was. The Saints supported um, the birthday party. But, yeah, Chris Bailey would be a great person to get on. I mean, oh, the man. fact that they could have been so much bigger had they been from America or... Well, the, the birthday UK. party. No, the Saints. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had yeah. they been... But they were from Australia. Yeah. And, you know, punk rock, I mean... did. Australia probably got the mod revival in 92 yeah. rather than 79. Sorry, any Australians listening, I don't mean, I'm being facetious. I like the birthday party though, they, they are, they're, I mean, yeah. I know they're Australian and yeah, it's great. Bats. Release the bars. Just Chins. drunk on the Pope's blood. Now, the other one I wanted to mention, uh, which will lead us down two different paths, because I, I know some you were going to mention When I saw The Clash, I saw Suicide. Mm. Two people, Martin Rev and Oh, there you go. Right. Never heard of this band before in my life. But it was they were using computers mm. and it was like uh, wow. Yeah. This is amazing music, right? And on that on that class show, the first band on was a band from Coventry called the Special AKA. Then it was Suicide, then it was a clash. That's a hell of a gig, isn't it? Well, to be honest, you that probably shaped my musical taste for life. Well, because you've got the three See so I've got I've yeah. got rock guitars on one side. Yeah. With suicide, I've got electronic music. Yeah. So my master fan of electronic music. Yeah. I've worked in that yeah. area. He is. Industry. Listeners. And then I've got uh, the whole reggae, reggae, blue beat, two tone, yeah. the whole thing. You yeah. know, love love of black music, love of black yeah. culture. Probably came from seeing special AKA, yeah. which then made me go in and discover people like I obviously knew about. Um, Bob Marley, but people like Gregory Isaacs and yeah. Mikey Dread and stuff yeah. like that. This was before the Mikey Dread. Yeah, I know you like all that. Yeah. So, so I yeah. love all that. And, you know, another comment I had from the last episode as well was about the fact that I mentioned in one of my rants yeah. that I was lucky enough to be involved in one of the biggest music explosions since punk. Well, the Acid House. In the Acid House thing. Well, I'm justifying that because it was influenced by punk, yeah. Acid House, by bands like Suicide and Kraftwerk. Right, okay, so look, before we just start... But Suicide to... also, part of... Yeah, what happened with Psychic TV and Throbbing well, Gristle? Well, I was just about to talk about yeah. Throbbing Gristle because, of course, Throbbing Gristle released the second annual report album in 1977. They obviously came out of an art collective, Coombe, with you know Cozy Fanny Tutti and Genesis P. Orridge, and there's the, a whole nother story talking about Psychic TV and that that whole evolution. But I think there was an interesting touch point between. I really agree with you, by the way, about Suicide. I think they were a way more influential band than they're ever really given credit for. I mean, if you you listen to half the um, adverts for Women's Perfume at Christmas, it's a Suicide song. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's either Ghostwriter yeah. or Dream Baby Dream or yeah. Cherie, yeah, you know, it's like it, it's so used and was so ahead of yeah. its time, you know. Yeah, and that album was 
saw ahead of us. Yeah. Time. So, um, so the Suicide album, and uh, and then well, Throbbing Gristle. Obviously, uh, there's no connection between Suicide and Throbbing Gristle. No. In the other than the fact that Throbbing Gristle, obviously, the whole sort of at the vanguard of industrial music. I mean, they're, 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 I think the label was called Industrial Records. Yeah, yeah. And I like Throbbing Gristle because in the same way that you like Suicide, because I, they had a big influence on some of the other bands that I got into. I, I, I think that they, whether they like it or not, I think Crass kind of came out of the Throbbing... Not, they didn't come out of the Throbbing Gristle. No, thing. No, they no. didn't. But they, they kind of occupied the same space and time for a while. In the, the, the art, art thing, the art terrorist. yeah, exactly, and, I, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in another episode because I think anarcho punk and the whole political punk. I mean, we did talk, didn't we, about how punk sort of went down two different paths to a certain extent: have a good time, jump about, mm. spiky hair, whatever, and then the more serious or political, countercultural, social comment, anti-war. Thing, cause yeah, and you were very much more into that side of it than me. Yeah. I still am. Because, you know, I'm, I'm touching back on on the jam. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, a lot of punk's ethos and attitude, for me personally, was probably over by about 79. Well, I think it gets picked up, doesn't it? But, well, you've got the whole new wave of punk bands, GBH and the whole... Oh, yeah, and yeah. the Clay yeah. Discharge Throwing and stuff. Jane. But then the whole punk crash kick off in... Well, they're formed in 77, so it's relevant to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. But the records, Feeding the 5000s is not until the following year, or even the second issue, because, of course, Small Wonder, that version had to be done without Reality Asylum on it. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about this later. But that all starts to come out of that. That starts to come together, and it and it creates some different things happening with punk. And we'll talk about that more later. But I did want to mention the Throbbing Gristle record because I think it sits in amongst those albums. So if you had to think oh, about was, was the pop group seventy seven? What with Mark Stewart? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are all prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that's later. I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's a bit later. And I don't see now you're talking about the pop group. Which makes me think about Gang of Four, yeah, you know, uh, and those sorts of bands. And I think you're starting to get towards 78, 9, 80. I think we are. I think we are. Um, and then that's a really nice little loop back there, actually, you and we're talking about Crass because um, those bands obviously included Tackhead uh, and G Voucher, yeah. who did the artwork for all the Crass stuff, did, of course, the cover for uh, Friendly Like Hand Grenade by Tackhead. Um, and by the way, just talking about G Voucher, I'm reading her book at the moment, right. um, uh, and I'm going to have to look it up because I'm just—I <laughs> don't want to get. I, I, I know. Well, no, sure, you can't look anything up. Remember, that's what we do. We, no. I, oh, well, I, what I don't want to do is I'm going to. All oh, right, then I won't. Uh, I won't look it up. But um, I, I, what I don't want to do is get it wrong, and then and loads of people. You can't, oh, you got it wrong. 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 And. Uh, uh, and, and then I look like a complete numpty because I'm supposed to be reading it. But it, I, it's right, from memory. Then it's beyond punk, oh, feminism, and the avant-garde. And, uh, right. But I do know that it's by Rebecca Bins, right? Um, I couldn't tell you who it was published by Rebecca Bins. What did I say? Beyond punk, uh, feminism, yeah. and the avant-garde. Yeah, bit of a mouthful. But so anyway, I'm... it's the story of G as an artist, and I, I really have to recommend this book. I, I'm on the last sort of chapter. I was talking to a friend about it last night who I'm going to pass it on to uh, she's involved in uh, the band Killing Joke and um, 
There, there's, there's crossover references with some of the early Killing Joke artwork and just how influential G was on that style and that look and all the rest of it. But I don't want to overdo it. Um, we're going to come back and talk about anarcho punk and, and yeah. So just yeah, and just to get you uh, back in uh, in line here, we had all prostitutes with a pop group came out in nineteen seventy nine. Right. Uh, the B side was the wonderfully titled Amnesty International report on British Army torture of Irish prisoners. So easy listening. Um, yeah. For for one of those drives that you used to have with your folks on a Sunday. Yeah. I'd rather have been listening to. For how much longer do we tolerate mass murder by the pop group than the Beach Boys and Pink? Well, I can, and, I, and I concur with you there. Yeah. Right, so if we were going to talk about... Right, so other things, right. I'll tell you another band. 77. Right, when we went to Rebellion, what was the first band we saw when we walked in? I walked into that main arena and it was The Boys. The Boys. Right. And was the first album was The Boys? I mean, it was just called The Boys and yeah. it came out in 77. Now, I remember... The singles, yeah. Uh, the boys had a couple of um, singles which either appeared on compilation albums at the time, um, or they had a, they had an album out at the time. Was there not somebody in the band called oh, some Dangerfield? Matt, Matt Dangerfield. He yeah. and I only know that because he was in London SS with Mick Jones. Was he? Yeah, oh. he was in London SS with Mick Jones, and he left and and. Oh, we are getting really train spottery here, but yeah, he was. Um, and I think, and then they, the, the boys did a gig and they knew all of those people. And I think they played the legendary Hope and Anchor back in the day. And there was loads of punk icons there. I, I don't know loads about them, to be honest. Uh, but I, oh, I t- I've got a fact about they, them. They, they were quite, if I remember rightly, they were quite melodic. They were a little bit melodic because didn't they tour, tour with... Who do they tour with? The Vel- uh, guy from the Velvet Underground. What's his name? John Cale. John Cale, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, they did. What the hell? Sorry, language, yeah. Yeah. The, um, they signed to a label called NEMS. Now, they did sign to that label, and that was in 77. Well done, Ewan. And wasn't... Oh, oh, that means... Uh, go on, go on. And I think they were the first... Label to sign a punk rock band, or was well, it? Just well, no, I'm going to have to pick you up on that because, of course, the Pistols had signed to EMI, but they got dropped. That's right, yeah. So Names Records basically got this out, this boys album out, early doors, and uh, well, yeah. and also because the damned, the damned, uh, is, is the famous first single. But of course, they only signed to um, what's it, Stiff, for one single, didn't they? So at that time, the Boys were probably the only band to have, the punk band to have an album record deal. Yeah. They then they, they only lasted on names for about a year, and then they signed to Safari. Do you remember Safari? I do remember Safari. Toya, Toya Wilcox yeah. was on Safari yeah. for a with, right. with sheep farming in Barnet. <laughs> that was definitely something. Yeah. Sure. That was definitely something. Yeah. Anything like that. But, uh, you know, names way ahead of its time. Oh, I don't really know. I mean, yeah, I, this, I'm not really that up on it all, to be honest with you. I mean, I just remember seeing the boys when we walked into Rebellion. I know that the album, I remember the album came out in 77. I Don't Care was a single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Oh, very, 
melodic yeah. punk. I quite liked good, them good though. Song, the good songwriting. I thought they were good when we saw them. Good songwriting. They weren't as good as the Outcasts. Oh, just, they were the band of rebellion. Just another teenage oh, rebel. Absolutely brilliant band. To- totally unrelated. Get there. They're, oh, they're all coming to Saudi and then we'll definitely yeah. get there. NEMS Enterprises was Brian Epstein's management company. The initials deriving from the Epstein family's North End music stores in Liverpool. Well, that's a fact. Have you just looked that up? Yeah, I have. Its record label was a relatively late development that came after Ep- Epstein's death in yeah. 1967. And the first mention of it was in record retailer 31st of January 1968. So, if anybody knows if that's the same names record, please uh, names records that the boys were signed to, please please let me know. Um, okay. So I'm so right. Ne- okay, the boys. Right, where have we got to in our? We got to Dangerfield, Guy Dangerfield, and that was. Uh, so I, so you talked about you talked about suicide. And I was just trying to think of anything else that happened uh, this uh, recently. Oh, it was the anniversary of London Calling, wasn't it? It was today. Is it today? Nineteen seventy nine, London Calling. I think we mentioned that at the beginning. Did we? Oh, yeah, sorry. I think, I think sorry. I am old. I keep forgetting my own name. Keep repeating yourself. I know. It's um, terrible. We want to do something that brings you back each week. So something that we can discuss, right? Mm-hmm. So. We've talked a lot about gigs and a lot about shows and a lot about people, you know, and I think utilising that that bill, that first 77 bill of the Pistols, the Clash, the Damned, Johnny Thunders, mm. that was the anarchy to it, yeah. right? Well, I'd like you as listeners to try and think, who was the best support act you saw? Support act? Yeah. Why? We talked about this in episode one about Joy Division and Buzz Cox. Oh, yeah. Right, but, you know, think about that and also think about, um, you know, Jet Black. Good old Jet Black. I mean... But before we go to Jet, there's something, there's a couple of things that came out in 77 that we haven't talked about and there's a reason. Right. The Boomtown Rats. Oh, right. But there is a reason we're not talking about the Boomtown Rats because I, I hate the Boomtown Rats. Yeah. I mean, what were they about? The guy in pajamas playing keyboards. I'm not. Well, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, was, Johnny Fingers. But wasn't there that guy in 999 who was a bit of a sort of pajama <laughs> fake, fake, fancier? Yeah. Oh, here we, like here we go. You can't get away with the end of the podcast without slagging somebody off. But I'm afraid. It's Bob Geldof well, and the Boomtown Rats. Well, yeah, I mean, I, so I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with Bob Geldof, and he comes across a bit of a media doodah. When yeah. You, when you, but then I heard him on the radio a little while ago, and they were asking him about things he, you know, music that he really liked, and he talked really favourably about the Pistols and their lyrics and stuff. So I'm, so he won me kind of back a little, back a little bit there. But I'm not the Boomtown Rats for me aren't a punk band. No. If anything, they were more in that. Genre of hitting the hot rods and sort of bit of yeah, just pub rock, you know. Just I mean, he did go out and have number one singles later, but you know, that doesn't mean to well, he did Live Aid, but I mean, did whatever, he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some there's that's a whole nother conversation, yeah. So, where so what so what's up for next time? So, I'm are we going to do something for Christmas? We we, we're going to do another episode a little bit sooner and try and get it out before Christmas. We are going to try and do one, but you know, our lives are I mean, we do have lives and. Yeah. Well, it's pretty busy at the moment, but yeah. we'll, we'll try. We hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, 
Thanks once again for, for listening, and we'll leave you with the sound of... See you next time. No More Heroes by The Strangles and Jack. <laughs>